0: Hi, Mike Gibson and Ajay Kirtanay coming to you live from Orlando at ACC 2018. You know, very exciting day yesterday. Still some interesting things today, uh, Ajay. Uh, You know, the Artemis study, moving beyond trials of therapies to more trials of strategies
1: and I think it's such an important concept because we know we can prescribe medicines in the hospital but our patients actually going to take them really will impact their care
0: now you know I remember years ago I could not believe this number when um, I was sitting in in an advisory board group and they said well we talked to pharmacists we actually got pharmacists involved to see how often did people really fill those prescriptions and I was dumbfounded when I heard the word 30 to 35 percent of the time people don't fill their prescriptions for antiplatelets. It's, so, in Artemis, I mean, talked about the, the people who didn't fill their voucher.
1: It's, it's amazing. I mean, the randomization in over 11,000 patients, cluster randomization. Tracy Wong at Duke ran the study, um, and they gave patients vouchers for right. ticagrelor or clopidogrel and the randomization was that versus standard care right. um, and they wanted to see if people would fill their prescriptions more and whether right. perhaps in ACS patients there'd be up titration because the guidelines suggest we should be using more potent P2Y12 inhibitors and At discharge, there was greater usage of the more potent agents like Ticagrelor, If you got the voucher. If you got the voucher. Right. But interestingly, when you look at follow-up, the rate of outcomes was basically the same in both groups. So does it not work? No. No. What actually happened when they looked at it is there were two groups of patients who got the vouchers. There were some that actually... Filled the vouchers, and their rate of events was the lowest. Ten percent or something. Then yeah. there's the usual care group that yes. they don't have the vouchers, and then there's the group that got the vouchers but elected not to use the vouchers. And that was not in, that was a fair number of people. Yeah, I mean, twenty something, I think percent of yeah. patients. And if they didn't use it, they had the worst events. Right. They basically almost said, "You gave me the voucher, I'm not taking anything."
0: Right. Why do you think that is? I mean, why do people, when given a voucher, hear some? Medicines? Why did they not take it? Did you know? I
1: I think that we. I will look to them to try to sort some of this out, and we really need to figure it out. But it's pretty clear that voucher alone is not going to be what the answer is. You need that plus some other back end um, intervention of a kind to enable patients to be want to be adherent.
0: So even if you gave Grandma a voucher, if no one was there to teach take grandma to the pharmacy or something, if there's further obstacles, it doesn't help. Right, or
1: maybe she doesn't understand why we're doing this in the first place.
0: It's confounded by that issue. You know, there's a lot of work on platelet inhibition and outcomes, but no one had really done a trial of testing genomics, not platelet function, but genomics and looking at outcomes. Uh, Diego Artesino looked at, in the pharmacological study, doing some
1: genomic testing, and
0: guiding treatment,
1: what was seen there? You know, 800 something patients studied and if, I think, for the first time, was able to demonstrate some effect, um, at least in terms of outcomes, with uh, this strategy of testing, guiding therapy versus conventional care alone. Now the study was originally designed to be over 3,000 patients. There were some issues with the assay, and so it was cur- curtailed at a smaller number. Um, but I think, you know, it, it, the genotyping impacted medication switches. There was another presentation earlier at ACC that kind of showed the same thing. But then to be able to show a difference in outcomes, that's kind of the first we've seen of this, right? Um, so we'll have to, you know, figure out what exactly the appropriate role of that is, right?
0: And bleeding kind of went in the wrong direction, so there's still some things to be sorted out. Absolutely. There. On the topic of platelets, uh, Dominic Angelou and I talked about the one of his swap studies. Uh, there are a lot of people out there giving clopidogrel for a short period of time, either a month, two months, three months. Or, I'm sorry, giving Ticagalor for a short period of time after an intervention and then switching to clopidogrel. Uh, and Dominic had hinted at this in the past, but this study yet again shows that when you make that switch from Ticagalor over to clopidogrel, if you don't use a loading dose you can actually have almost a rebound effect where your level of inhibition at baseline might be here but when you make that switch you get worse so uh, the take home message there is if you're going to do that if you're going to switch from ticagelor over to clope make sure you transition with a loading dose. That's the take-home message. That's
1: important, and I think many people don't understand. A lot of people are doing it. Not just that, I don't think people understand that there's also uh, competitive inhibition at the level of the receptor, and so typically you need to wait. You can't give that first loading dose of clopidogrel right after ticagrel. You have to wait a little bit for um, basically the ticagrel to unbind from the receptor so as to then get the effect of the active metabolite of clopidogrel. Uh, In the statin
0: realm, a trial of uh, statins uh, and kind of looking at, again, the usual myonecrosis uh, after a procedure. We've seen this in the past. If you give a statin before PCI, you can uh, improve levels of myonecrosis. We've seen this uh, in different studies. We even did uh, back together at Timmy some of this. Talk to us a little bit about
1: Secure PCI. I think more data supporting that. More data and a larger data set too. So 4,000 plus patients. Um, it's published uh, early release in JAMA. And what was found is the primary endpoint among patients who had ACS, who went for an invasive strategy and were randomized in a blinded fashion to 80 of atorvastatin versus placebo. No difference in outcomes, but the difference was seen among patients who actually had PCI. And that makes sense. If you don't do a PCI, it's hard to imagine you'd show a difference in periprocedural outcomes such as MI. But in the group that did have PCI, there was a reduction in myocardial infarction from this approach. My philosophy on this is there's pretty much no downside to doing it for right, most patients. Right. But with this many patients of data, now I think it sort of elevates the need to think about doing this rather than just doing conventional care. Right.
0: No, I think it's very important, you know, I'd written a paper from the Prove
1: It study and
0: there were people in IT who got intensive lipid lowering therapy as medical management and then there were people who got intensive lipid lowering therapy after PCI. All the benefit in Pruvit was in the PCI patients. There was really not much there in the medical therapy. This also kind of hints at some of the pleiotropy again of statins. Keep in mind with Odyssey, it wasn't till one year out that those lines started to separate. Fourier, pretty late separation prove it though, high-dose statins, early separation at six months. The statin trials tend to show earlier separation of the event curves. Some of that may not be related to lipid lowering. Some of it may be due to these pleiotropic effects of the anti-inflammatory effects or uh, endothelial cell progenitor effects, etc. So um, supports the concept that statins really do have probably a variety of benefits beyond the or.
1: And in some respects make PCI potentially safer. Um, yeah. So that's kind of e- something that many people don't think of right. statins role right. as a whole.
0: And then I thought you presented something fascinating, uh, the BVS registry data from NCDR. Talk to us a little bit about that.
1: You know, and NCDR has um, had this new concept of what's called registry to practice. So on the basis of trials or other hot-button issues, um, you can then quickly look within NCDR, which captures about 85% of U.S. hospitals, and answer basic questions. Observational research, as you taught me, has limitations, particularly for comparative analyses. But for things that are more descriptive, treatment patterns and utilization, it can be very, very useful. Um, And so the analysis essentially looked at what the uptake of BVS was here in the United States following approval. And you know there were many people who sort of said, you interventionalists, you're, you're too exuberant about this. You're saying that right. it's gonna be used everywhere. And so right. we sort of asked, well, how often was it used? And the bottom line is that um, first of all, 80% of hospitals didn't use BVS or at least reported so in the NCDR registry. Hmm. Um, second over the... Could
0: they have used it or was the supply
1: limited in some ways
0: to sites that had done trials? So
1: very important and the sponsor actually rolled this out somewhat slowly. Selectively. Um, Mm -hmm. They needed to have on-site proctoring in some respects, A training that was via the web um, because there were concerns based upon European and Asian experiences that if this device was not meticulously implanted that could lead to adverse outcomes. So that clearly impacts some of this utilization data, the availability of it. Um, But there are sites that, you know, maybe we use one or two that are involved in the analysis. Overall, the rate of utilization from uh, the period of July 2016 um, through the end of 2017, which is when we had the data, was very, very low as a whole, 0.6%. Wow. Um, And the key finding, I think, that that we noticed was that the maximal utilization was just over 1.2%. So this was not used like water in all kinds of patients. And more importantly, if you look at the the trend, and we've plotted this and the slides are available online, basically you can see it going up after the device is approved, then immediately after the two-year data from Absorb 2 are reported in the next month, it declines. And then a little bit after that, it declines again, and that was right after um, Absorb-3 data, two years was presented, and then the IATA trial in New England Journal. Right. So in some respects, we as cardiologists get criticized for not responding to data, but sometimes we can respond relatively rapidly, and this is one example of that.
0: Yeah, I think for efficacy and effectiveness, it's always a slow uptake. But boy, when you report some safety data, it's usually an abrupt cessation of use of drugs and devices. Um, and it goes back to the... Old teaching and communication as well. Good news or bad news, I should say, travels three times faster than good news. Yeah. And and we are risk adverse, and we do change practice based on safety. So you know, I, I guess we have to get credit for, you know, not hitting the gas pedal, but then hitting the brake pedal pretty quickly
1: when we see a safety signal as a group. And there are other factors it was more expensive, it's harder to put in, but I really think that most interventionalists were very thoughtful about it. We certainly saw that in our own lab. Um, and uh, I, I also think that the sponsor and the FDA have something to do with this as well because the FDA released letters at these intervals. Yes. The sponsor rolled this out slowly. Um, they were, I certainly, I, I know of people who potentially were thinking of putting it in certain lesions and the sponsor would actually say, no, 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 don't do that. Right. Um, same thing with the smaller vessels. So um, it's a good thing for interventional cardiology to finally have some good news, right? I
0: think so. No, <laughs> I think it's very good news. We're, we're actually more conservative than people think. Baje, well, thanks again for another day. Another wrap-up, and thanks to all of you for joining us here live from ACC 2018.